The Snellen chart features 11 lines of progressively smaller letters. Not just any letters. The Snellen chart uses just nine. C, D, E, F, L, O, P, T, and Z. They're somewhat clunky in appearance, and their spacing were all carefully designed. Good morning, Lifehouse. I have the privilege this morning of giving a report of our team. Part of our team is going to be up here sharing a report of what God did in Columbia these last two weeks. Um, it's, it's, it seems like an impossible task. This trip was so amazing. It was so humbling to be a part of it. I don't know, when you've been in an airport, and you know, I don't know what they call them, but those conveyor belts that uh, you step on and they move faster if you're on them, that's what the week felt like in Columbia. It felt like, and we were part of something so supernatural, so divine, so awesome. It was like we were in this whole nother time warp of, of just things of God and of ministry and what he was doing. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of the Make a Difference offering. Um, the money that you gave, the prayers that you guys have prayed, uh, the team that went, I mean, it has had eternal impacting value. You guys are seeing some of the stats right here. Uh, we're going to watch a video. Uh, some of our team is going to share. It was, uh, it was so beautiful what happened, and I'm so thankful uh, for those that have gone before me. I have the honor of serving here as a missions pastor, but I'm so thankful for those that have been laying the groundwork for what happened this week. Uh, pastor Ryan's been involved in Columbia for a number of years. Um, Jeremy helped lay the groundwork with um, Compassion International. We have our churches that we, 16 churches that we partner with in Cienega de Oro area, two specifically that, we're, that we work with significantly, uh, Juan Allen and Leonor. In fact, uh, I got a text this morning that they're in Bogota, Colombia, watching us this morning. So can you guys give it up for Juan Allen and Leonor who are, hey guys. They're watching in Bogota. I want to welcome all of those online this morning. It's so good to have you with us. And, and um, just this beautiful partnership of, of Medical Ministry International and Amazon, uh, the Foursquare Churches in Senegal de Oro, Compassion International, Lifehouse. It's just beautiful what God is doing. You guys, us, we, I mean, we are a part of something beautiful, something special. Um, let's don't take it for granted. It is for such a time as this. I know that's so overused. But it's really true in this scenario. So we have a video for you guys, and then our team's going to share for a few minutes.
name is Dr. Jeff Rutgard, and I have the privilege of being an eye surgeon on MMI uh, extravaganzas, and this is one of them. Well, the most common cause of blindness in this realm are cataracts, and the amazing, wonderful part is that these are curable, um, it's a curable blindness. By doing cataract surgery on all these people who are poor and blind, we can restore their vision so that they can see again, take care of their families, um, helpful as breadwinners, and being part of the community. We're going to take a few minutes and have hear from different parts of our team. Not all of our team is up here, um, and I, I want you to know that if you come out and go to uh, on a trip with us, I will not make you share from the platform. So I've heard there's people that are afraid to go for that very reason, so I'm removing uh, that objection uh, this morning. So uh, this is Ed. Ed, how many, if you guys would step forward just a little bit more. Ed, how many trips have you been on to Columbia? This is uh, my fourth this trip. Fourth trip? Let me get this on for you. And... Uh, just share a little bit of your experience of this trip. Um, God always reminds me how, how great and wonderful he is. Um, it's amazing. We read in the Bible of all the miracles that happened, and, and you forget that we were able to witness 
hundreds if not thousands of miracles. Yeah. Just the people that came to know God through having these procedures done and um, getting their sight back. It was, it was a beautiful thing. Um, God truly does make the way for us. Um, if anybody who knows me, I don't like being up here. I don't like, um, I don't like um, working with blood. I don't, that, as a nurse, that's not me. Um, but um, I pray to God for the strength to be able to, to do this, and, and he granted that. And I just, I think he is an amazing and glorious God. So, amen, yeah. So, Ed, you've spent your whole professional career as a nurse avoiding the operating yes. room, is that right? Yes, I have. And then what did they have you do there? They had me working in the operating yeah, room. That's... Actually, on the first surgery, um, through the grace of God, I almost passed out. Well, not through the grace of God. Um, on my own power, I almost passed out. Um, with the help of one of my coworkers over here, I was able to, and through the grace of God, I was able to get through it. Um, I prayed to God right then and there, and God got me through the rest of the week. Um, not through my own strength, through his strength, and I just think, um, I just think he's amazing, and um, God is great. I, I just don't know what else to say. And I was very thankful for Ed's uh, Spanish, uh, because um, I'm lacking in that area. So I know I was like the leader of the trip, but this guy right here navigated us through a lot of... Uh, of issues and just really helped us. So thank you for that. So, I mean, when we go on these trips, we need Spanish speakers. So um, that adds a lot of value. So thank you. And Veronica is also one of our bilingual uh, people. Uh, bilingual sure. enough. If bilingual it was enough. I was like B string translator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Veronica. Can y'all hear me over my Colombian earrings? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I've done a lot of volunteering growing up. I did volunteer organizations um, in college. I did that. And even here in San Antonio, I would volunteer at a clinic for our city's homeless and um, uninsured. So I kind of went into this, my first mission trip, with that frame of reference, thinking of, you know, the patients, the people that we're serving, um, and really trying to make connections there, you know, talk to people, put them at ease. We're the first people that they see in the clinic. So, of course, they thought we were all doctors, even, even Cohen. <laughs> um, so, but God really surprised me. The ladies that you saw or that you do see in the white shirts, those are the ladies at the, of the local churches there. So they were volunteering, coming alongside us. Um, and then there were also people that work for MMI. I don't remember what color their shirts are, but... They're employed there. So we have this team of people in addition to the Canadians that were with us. And God really surprised me by those connections. I'm focused on the patients and the people. And then, you know, I'm, I'm training the Colombian ladies to do this and that. And at the end of the week, when they find out that it's going to be our last day there, you know, they're sad that we're leaving. They're asking us to pray with them. And, I mean, really pray with them for, for real things, for healing for themselves, for their families, for salvation, for them, you know, for family members. And it was just kind of like, well, who, who am I that you would, you know, bring these requests to us? And it meant so much to them, you know, we're crying together and praying together. So um, even somebody without a medical background, I'm a mental health counselor. So like eyeballs, blood, that stuff is <laughs> foreign to me. I know how to, t I know how to talk to people. Um, but it was just really amazing to me to see how God was able to use me, someone that doesn't have that extensive medical background. Um, and then I also made a little friend, Sada. She was one of the Foursquare Pastor's daughters, little 11-year-old girl, just kind of 
struck up a conversation with her one day, and then throughout the rest of the week, every time I would turn around, Sada would be right there, like, you know, perched on my chair, or, you know, leaning over, what are you doing? Um, so that was really cool, too. She sent a video to my daughters, and my daughters are sending her videos back. So just those relationships that were made, the people that we worked with, that surprised me beyond what I thought was going to happen. And, you know, I'm already talking to my husband, like, okay, I want to go back and see my, my new friends now and go back and serve. Um, <laughs> so very different com than compassion trips, but just a great experience, and God used me differently than I anticipated. Yeah. Well, this is Cohen, and anytime something, a lot of times in the Bible when something significant would happen, there'd be a name change. Uh, you know, in the New Testament, Saul became Paul, and so Cohen um, is no longer around here known as Cohen. He's now Papino, so uh, you, can, you can ask him the backstory behind that. Uh, Papino, no. <laughs> Do you want to you share um, uh, about how you ended up getting on this trip? Sure. <laughs> so uh, when I heard about the trip, I, I wanted to go because, I mean, I love volunteering and stuff. So I asked my family members to donate to for me going on the trip. And secretly, my mother already paid for the trip. And, you know, it's... So that was his Christmas present, was this, yes. that was Papino's Christmas present, was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, was, was this trip, and his friends and family gave towards that. So what kind of stuff did you do um, when so you were there? I, well, my favorite part was giving to the little kids, because it was, it was just heartwarming to see their smiles, and I was doing the, I was writing on the papers that you see in some pictures up there. Um, I was doing the cube. You have to spin the cube. And it's, no matter how young you are, you can, it, you, there's still stuff to do. It's, it, it was fun. We're glad you came. You had it, you made this trip. You took it to a whole nother level, buddy. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, seriously, you added a lot of value. We loved having you. hoping to be able to work in recovery, but nope. Um, I was in the <laughs> OR, making sure Ed didn't pass out. Um, <laughs> and we were circulating nurses, so we had to learn a whole new skill while we were there for a week. Um, so we got to help with all of the cataract surgeries um, and learn how that stuff works. Awesome. Um, and I would just add, like to add a little piece about uh, Cohen, um, <laughs> Pepino. Um, so while Stacy and Ed were at the hospital a few miles away, Cohen was with the rest of us at the clinic. And um, Cohen became the most popular person there. Not only did our team fall in love with him, but the MMI team uh, from Canada and other parts of the U.S., one lady said, we're just going to take him home with us. I was like, you're going to have to fight us over him. Um, and then also just the local volunteers of the local Foursquare churches fell in love with him. So much so that there was a lady who prophesied over him before we left. 
Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful. Stacy and I were bawling, crying. Um, so, yeah, he's 13, and he's making a difference. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so, for me, um, this was my first international missions trip, so I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I was really excited about going, but I thought I was going to go to hang out with the kids because I'm a kids pastor. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, but like many of us here, I ended up doing something completely different. Um, before I left, though, I did pray, uh, Lord, help me remember people's names because I knew I was going to be meeting a lot of people. And how many of you meet someone, learn their name, and then immediately it flies out of your head, right? Oh my gosh, it happens to me all the time. So I just prayed, Lord, help me remember people's names because we all know it's important. So they had many of us at Station 1, and after the people get their paperwork, they come to Station 1 to do a distance test. And so that's where we were. And we knew that we would be the first people they would come in contact with. So um, I just tried to use my broken Spanish, and my Spanish is pitiful and dangerous, actually. Um, it's not true. They <laughs> used her as a translator. Oh, my gosh. By Thursday, I was translating in the bifocal room. They were desperate. They were desperate. <laughs> so, please, if you speak Spanish, go on the trip. Um, I was the Z team. But, um, so, um, anyway. But um, so I would, you know, like the rest of us, we would just try to put people at ease because some people would show up to the first station nervous or anxious or they were elderly or they were young, you know. And so I would just try hard to make a connection with people. And I spoke just enough Spanish, you know, to be friendly. And um, well, so um, this was day one and we had seen dozens and dozens of people through each line. And I was leaving to go to a late lunch, and I was walking through the courtyard, and I saw this little girl who had been through my, through my line, and the Holy Spirit gave me her name. And I was like, hola, Camila, como estas? And so she just came up and gave me a hug, and I could see from the look on her mom's face that she was shocked that I would remember her daughter's name. But once again, that was God. There's no way I could have done that. And so they wanted to take a picture, and I think there is a picture of us somewhere floating around up there. And it was just really sweet and precious because at that moment, it, God was reminding me that every person matters. Every person is important. So two days later, I'm in Station 1, and Pastor Ryan comes and gets me. He says, Julie, there's somebody out here that wants to see you. We've got something for you, which I thought was strange. But I go out there, and it's that little girl. She had come back, and she had a gift for me. Right? All I did was remember, remember her name. But that's the kindness and generosity and joy and gratitude that everybody had there at the clinic after waiting for hours in the sun to do something that takes us 30 to 45 minutes. So there's that lesson. And all week long, I feel like God was just giving me these little presents to unwrap, just little, little gifts that he was showing me all throughout the week. So the next gift was um, one of the men who volunteers for MMI, his name is Bruce, and He's um, probably in his late 70s, if I had to guess. Super nice guy. But he worked in the artificial eye room. And sometimes I would get to go in there. Us, you know, we would just kind of venture in the different rooms just to see what was going on. And um, he was doing artificial eyes, which meant that he would take the, their measurements and he would find them an eye that matched their other eye. 
and he would help them learn how to take it in and out, or if it needed to be sanded down because it was too big, he would, I see some of you grimacing right now. I see it. I know, right? Okay, so he would sand it down, and then he would, you know, see if it was comfortable for them, and he was just so kind and loving. So all week long, I thought he was an eye care professional. Well, on the bus one day after working, we're going back to the hotel, and I hear him talking, and I think it was to Veronica. And I heard him say something, and I leaned over, and I said, Bruce, you mean you're not an eye care professional? And he said, no, I was a high school guidance counselor. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So my mouth literally hit the floor. I just could not believe it. But what happened is 15 years ago, he was invited to go on an MMI trip. They knew, they found out that he was really good with his fine motor skills. And so they trained him how to do that. So he has been helping people with artificial eyes for 15 years, right? So there again, God is teaching us, all of you out there, every person matters. Every person. So if you think you don't have anything to give on a missions trip, you've got to think again because you do. You've got something to offer, and you can do it for God's glory. And that was the beautiful thing about this MMI trip is that the people there were doing it for God's glory, and it was just amazing to see and open his little gifts all week long. I was honored and blessed. Awesome. circling back because I forgot to mention something. Um, So like you guys watching these slideshows and hearing about these trips, I was under the impression that there were um, multiple churches that came together and teamed up with MMI, that when we took up an offering here, it was our church and other churches that were funding these projects, you know, that everybody's partnering together. Um, And then we had the opportunity to go out with Juan Allen and the MMI team. Um, and it was just us, um, and they had us all introduce ourselves. This whole week was full of moments like, who, who are we? They, you know, they're rolling out the red carpet for us. Um, and I told, I shared with Ryan afterwards, I didn't realize the, the relationship that was there and the place that our, our church, that Lifehouse Church holds within this community. Um, they're not other churches that partner with MMI. So all these other people that you're hearing about, Bruce, all these other professionals that you see, they come individually on their own. They're from Canada. They're from different states in the U.S., but they come on their own. We were the only group from a church that came. And so we really do have this this place of honor and this special relationship within that community as the church that partners with them. Um, Yeah, forgot to mention that part. good. Good job, guys. Thank you for that. Give it up for the team. Good job, guys. Um, you guys, uh, you guys are an important part of this. There's a story in the Old Testament where uh, David has led um, his men into battle, and some stayed with the spoils, and others went and fought. And when they came back, they wanted to divide the spoils unevenly uh, for those that went and. Uh, did the battle, they were, they, some of the guys thought they should get more than those that stayed behind um, with, with the spoil, with the family, and help protect and those types of things. And the principle of that is that we're all in this together, that we all play a part. And so we're not, uh, I'd say maybe, how do I put this? Like we might be, we feel more blessed because we got to go see it, but in the, in the heavenly realms, 
we're all in this together. If you've prayed, if you've given, um, as you've sent us, like we're in this together. So this is a this isn't just for our team this morning. This is like our whole church just celebrating, rallying around what God is doing in us and through us. So can you guys give yourself a hand? I mean, seriously, because you guys made this happen. You gave, you've prayed. And so when we ask for prayer, we ask for these, these things, I mean, it makes a difference. It's significant. I want to show you guys just a, a couple of uh, couple of more uh, pictures, a couple more things. Um, there is a, there's a picture up here of this young lady. Um, I was working in a room um, with her taking, had this machine I actually touched her eyeball with. And, and like these people had no idea I'd never done this before. And they had such faith in us and God bless them. But he, he, he really just made a, was able to use us. And so, so as, as we were working with this lady, I was taking some of the eye measurements and it, was, it broke my heart. Um, Young, she's in her, I think she's 22. Uh, she got an elbow to the eye, not sure how. Um, I have some thoughts on it, but I have um, no facts on it. Uh, and did it happen, the injury had just happened three weeks before, and she developed a cataract. Um, you can see what looks like real shiny on her left eye is actually a cataract. It's cloudy. I thought cataracts were just something older people got from age, but this was a cataract caused from injury. Um, and then she had surgery the next day. So here's a picture. If you're squimish, kind of look, you know, like with your fingers and hands like this. So if you, the next picture there is her. That's the blood is from where she got a needle poked in her eye to, to numb it. That's a good thing, right? So numbed it. You can see the cataract, that cloudiness right there. Then the next picture is after surgery where the cataract is gone. And then the next picture is her the next day. Her eyesight was saved. I talked to the doctor and he said that if she wouldn't have had the surgery, she would have been completely irreversibly blind within three weeks. God sent us there. You, I mean, we as a church, we were there. Yeah, I mean, thousands of people, but it's like Julie said, every single one matter. Her life, her kid, generations are gonna be different because we went, because we're a part of this. Uh, the next picture is a picture of uh, Marie Jose. Uh, Marie Jose, we called her uh, Mary Jo, which is Texan for uh, Marie Jose, and, and she was just this wonderful young lady. Uh, she is the executive assistant of uh, Consuelo, uh, one of the pastors of the church there, the main church. Uh, there's 16 campuses, 16 churches that we partner with there, four square churches. She's the executive assistant uh, to the pastor's wife and just does amazing. Her job was to like just take care of us all week because we, I think our team was a full-time job, but like whatever we needed, we needed Coke or coffee or snack, whatever we needed, she was there to help us. And, uh, and so we developed a relationship with her and a friendship. And, and so what we were able to provide for her, you see her glasses, those beautiful glasses she's wearing, the value of those is one month of her salary. So you and I, most of us here today, we could go to Costco or Sam's or, you know, Eyeglasses of America or order online a pair of glasses today and and, and be able to get that. But for her, imagine, imagine you need glasses and it's a one-month salary. Whatever it is that you make in a month, that's how much a pair of glasses cost. She was going to have to get a loan, go into debt, and pay off a pair of glasses. But because we went, because glasses were donated, um, she, was, she now can see and she can do the job God's called her to do. So again, that's just one small story, one thing, um, and just there's thousands of these stories we could tell. Uh, one Allen and our pastors down there, um, Johnny and Consuelo, have sent a greeting to you of Thanksgiving. So I'm going to show, show that greeting this morning. 
Hello, my dear friends of San Antonio Lighthouse Church. Ha sido un tiempo maravilloso el que hemos tenido en Cienega de Oro. It has been a marvelous time what we've had here in Cienega de Oro. Muchas vidas fueron transformadas con esta brigada. Many lives have been transformed through this project. Les amamos. We love you. Muchas gracias por ese apoyo tan grande que ustedes nos han dado y sé que van a haber muchos resultados positivos para nuestra iglesia. Thank you, Lighthouse, for all the support, for coming alongside us, and this is going to be a huge impact on our church. And once again, Lighthouse, from my behalf, thank you very much for coming and walking alongside us. Thank you for showing real love, real life, and real sight to the people of Cienaga de Oro. Love you all. Goodbye. Um, on the screen, we have the next trips that we have planned. We actually have about eight trips planned um, uh, into the Amazon. Uh, there's a flyer in the foyer. We couldn't fit them all on the screen. Uh, we, one of the things we want to do is to make more trips available to you uh, so that maybe the June trip or January trip doesn't work, but we have a trip almost every month that you can be a part of. And, and our hope is that we could send two or three people at a time. You don't have to have medical background. But we'd love for you to join us in June. June is our compassion trip. You can see the kids, the compassion kids that you, um, that you support, uh, get to see them, get, we'll go see, it'll be in the community where the eye clinic was. But you can go ahead and plan on uh, January 16th through the 30th. We'll have three different options. You can go for one week, for week two, uh, week one or week two, or you can go for two solid weeks. And I uh, want to make that available to you so you can get that on your calendar now. You can plan towards that. And we want to invite all of you to be a part of this. It's going to be, a, uh, it's going to be an amazing opportunity. I want to share um, a story uh, before we wrap up this morning, before we close. And I, as I do that, I want, to ask, I want to ask you a question of what will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? I, as, we've, as we've been in this vision, this vision 2020 series of talking about what God sees for our lives, I want us to just take a moment and just pause and reflect on, on what our legacy is going to be. I think that we tend to think that legacy is for people that, that are famous, that are rich, that have a lot to offer. But I want to challenge you this morning that each one of us have the opportunity to leave a legacy, to leave something, a gift for those that are coming behind us, a story, if you will, memories of value. And if you've ever been challenged with a diagnosis, a life-changing event, it causes you to take a moment and reflect about the future, about what life could be like without you or without somebody you love. And it reprioritizes everything when you have this larger picture of life. And, and I think we get so busy in life. We get so busy living life. And friends, life isn't what happens to you. Real life is what happens through you. And as we live life, we can become so busy and preoccupied with the here and now that we forget that the Lord wants us to be fully present, fully surrendered, so that he can leave a legacy, so he can do something significant in our lives that is beyond us, that even lives beyond us. I, I heard this story this week I want to I share with you. It's about Alfred Noble. Alfred Noble once said that every man should get the chance to rewrite his own obituary. He made this statement after spending the end of his life rewriting his own. See, Alfred Noble was a Swedish chemist who invented dynamite. He invented it in 1866, and his invention made him extremely wealthy. Over the course of his life, he held over 350 patents, and he owned factories and laboratories in over 20 different countries. Something significant happened in, 
in, in 1888. In 1888, his brother died. When his brother died, it was published in a newspaper, an obituary was published, but there was a mistake made. Um, they, they, they thought it was Alfred who died, and so they produced Alfred's obituary. And so one morning, Alfred is eating breakfast, reading the newspaper, and he's reading his own obituary. And this is what he was called. He was called the merchant of death because he invented dynamite. He had devised a way to kill more humans than had ever happened in the history of warfare, and that he had died a very rich man. He decided at that moment that his legacy was not going to be dynamite. His legacy was not going to be death. His legacy was going to be life, and it was going to be peace. And at that moment, he began giving money away. He began setting up prizes uh, for those that would have different inventions in chemistry and physics and physiology and medicine and economics. And then he set up his most famous prize, which you guys know of as the Nobel Peace Prize. And so now his legacy is not one of war and of destruction, but it's a legacy of peace and a legacy that, that far outlives him. And so I don't know how you've come here today. I don't know if you were to die today, if you were to say, oh, yeah, my legacy is exactly what I would want it to be. I would tend to think that if we took a poll this morning, most of us, the vast majority of us would say, you know, I want my legacy to be a little bit different. I want to begin to live my life with a different perspective. I want to begin to live my life more intentionally. And, and I really believe the way that happens is when we fully begin to just surrender ourselves to the Lord in new and fresh ways. We know that Jesus left the ultimate legacy, and he did that because he made the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate surrender to his Father. He surrendered himself, and out of that, life was able to be poured out and changed all of history. And we, as Ryan so, so, so eloquently said earlier, just talking about how Jesus is in us and making a difference through us. How I many you know God hasn't, he hasn't left us here to suck air? You know, we are not here to suck air. We are here to make a difference. We're here to allow the life of God to flow through us. And your legacy can be different, can be different because of surrendering to him. I want to leave you guys with a verse, and I know it's a, so often it's a misused verse, and it's the verse that gets put on so many um, graduation cards, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That verse was written to a group of people that did not like where they were. They were exiles. They were caught. They were trapped. They would say, their opinion would have been that their legacy wouldn't have been much, that their future didn't look like much, that they're not sure how good was going to come out of what it was they were walking through in life. And God spoke this promise to them to dig in right where they were, to have families, to marry, to start businesses, to make a difference right where he placed them and to trust him for the outcome because his plans for them were good. His plans for him for them were to prosper them. And that's the same for you. You can trust God with your future. He has a good future intended for you. He wants to be involved. In, and as we come to him and we just say, Lord, I surrender. I give myself to you. That in the daily decisions that we make of being fully present with those we're with, of stewarding our time, our talent, our treasure, that we'll begin to see a life that will be a legacy that we want to pass on to others. And it'll be a, our story will be tied up with his story, history, the great story of redemption of mankind. And you and I get invited in to be a part of that, of a life greater than ourselves. 
Because when we live a life according to what Jesus is doing, it's much larger than we could ever do. We don't manufacture it. We don't make it happen. We just continue to say, yes, Jesus, and respond in obedience to him. Would you bow your head with me this morning?